0: In about a month's time, add a few days, the BJP will complete three years in office at the centre. Three years is long enough for hidden agenda to assume concrete form. In Taking Stock, former Finance Minister P. Chidambaram lists the things that have gone awry for the people of this country. In a dispassionate tone, shown of political rhetoric, he identifies the single emotion that has come to grip people of India. Fear. This is the emotion that is being stoked by stormtroopers of the state. In executing a unilateral cultural text, these stormtroopers are telling the people what to eat, what to talk, whom to marry and how to behave. How does one respond to a context like this? Let's hear. It's good to launch a book among young people rather than old people, greater chance that your book will be read and I will remembered for a longer time. I'm not going to speak about the book in great detail, the panelists will. I want to speak about shedding fear. It cannot be denied that when men and women live together, while there is comfort, there is mutual respect, there is love, there's affection. There's also fear. You like some people, you fear some others. Most of this fear stems from all the cultural prejudices. We carry a huge baggage when we come to this world. Actually, nobody's born free, and a plural society like India, which is highly stratified and highly fractured. The baggage is immense. In fact, the baggage that each one of us carries is almost a thousand, two thousand years old. And that baggage is imprinted in us in several identities. Ask yourself, who am I? Well, by choice, I am an Indian. fact that I was born in a Tamil family and a Tamilian. Again, for a fact of birth, one belongs to a religion, one is a Hindu or a Muslim or a Christian or a Vasi or a Jew or a Sikh. And then one is identified by the caste, one is further identified by the family to which he or she belongs to. And within that one is identified by sex, by gotras, by and as if all this was not enough, one is identified by the zodiac sign, one is And we acquire identities like Rajiv and I have acquired identity belonging to the Congress party. And then just about in the last 20 minutes I found identities like I'm an old student of Saint Joseph, you're a student of a rival college. All this is baggage. This baggage certainly inspires bonding. It also inspires fear. If upon all this, you bring about a state structure which stokes fear, which constantly reminds you of your sectarian identities, and then tells people, sets loose people to tell others, what you shall eat, what you shall wear, how you should behave, who you will love, who you will marry, who you will talk to. And then it also set loose stormtroopers who begin to enforce these cultural, unilateral texts or edicts. I think you are creating a society which is not the India that you and I believed we would grow in when we became independent and when we became republic. What are our pressing problems? In India today, one out of two children is anemic. How many of you know that? One out of two children is anemic. Actually the number is 58%. One out of three children is undernourished and stunted and one out of two children is wasted. And when I say wasted, that word has a medical meaning. That child's physical and mental development is over. You can make nothing out of that child for all the years of the child will live. That's our problem. Our problem is the average number of school years a child gets, both male and female, is 6.6 years. The average a student gets today, as you and I speak in this hallowed pressings of St. Joseph's College, is 6.6 years, which means the average child drops out at age 12. That's our problem. Our problem is the vast majority of people do not have access to publicly funded free, basic medical care. That's our problem. We celebrate gods, we celebrate cows, we neglect children. I'm not saying gods are not important. If you believe in God, God is important. Animals are important. And the cow, perhaps being the most productive animal in the Indian life over centuries is perhaps the most precious animal. But are not children equally important? The real issues are being swept aside and issues which are of concern but not of momentous importance are brought to the fore and that is presented as The model of government, the model of a society that we want to build. Apart from being a completely skewed and distorted model of a country or a society we wish to build, this approach, this hegemonic approach, this majoritarian approach stokes fear. Believe me, Dalits live in fear today. Only a few months ago, Dalits were killed on the allegation of cow slaughter. And then when they refused to skin dead cattle, they were beaten up again. So you're damned if you do, you're damned if you do not do. Muslims live in fear. Minority institutions live in fear. Laws are being made to tighten control over minority institutions and these receive the sanction of the Supreme Court also sometimes. Women live in fear. Young boys and girls live in fear today. While world over, in order to break gender stereotypes and to give women an equal place with men, world over societies encourage boys and girls to grow up together, to play together, to study together, work together and here we say no you can't play together, you can't go to a movie together, you can't work together. So women live in fear, NGOs live in fear, universities have become battlegrounds for ideas, not the ideas that should be argued in a university place. But ideas that have no place in the university have become the issues of confronting one group and another in universities. Therefore, I say, we must rise against this fear. We must shed this fear. Everyone has a responsibility, none more than the opposition party. It is the opposition that must provide the leadership to shed fear. We must be fearless in our speech. We must be fearless in our writing. We must be fearless in our action. The only thing we must fear is the law. And that too, only just laws. An unjust law need not be feared. Mahatma Gandhi said, yes, this is a law. But this is an unjust law. I will not obey this law and punish me. It's your duty, Mr. Judge, to punish me. I have disobeyed your law. But because it's an unjust law, I have disobeyed. I have done my duty. You do your duty and punish me. That's the kind of fearlessness that we require. I want you to reflect on the real issues of this country. No one is saying that these issues are issues that came about in the last couple of years. These issues have been with us over the last 60, 70 years. Every government has tried to deal with these issues, try to break away from the past, try to improve things. Some have succeeded, some have failed. Some have succeeded in small measure, some, have, some inside larger measure and some have failed. But at least we made an attempt to deal with the real issues. I worry when the real issues are aside, and Issues of lesser concern are made to be the issues that concern the whole people. These columns were written week after week after week. The only thing that I claim credit was that I not missed a week. Wherever I am, whatever I do, I somehow try to find the time to write the column. But writing is the easy part. In fact, People who think that writing is difficult, you should try. Writing is an easy part. It is the editing of the column which is the difficult part. (laughs) Writing takes no more than an hour, an hour and a half to write about a thousand words. But the editing, the fact checking, we live in a post-truth world, so facts don't matter. (laughs) But to me, facts matter. Every number is to be checked. I don't want to be called, what a bloody fool you are, you don't know your number. Every number has to be checked. Every date has to be checked. Every fact has to be checked. Every quotation has to be checked. That, believe me, takes me almost a day. Over two or three days, I spend hours checking each fact. I have, fortunately, a young researcher who helps me check the facts. And he has access to a large data bank. He works for a think tank. And therefore, he checks the numbers. But checking the facts. And then you go back to that trusted book. Uh, In mean, St. Joseph's College, I know the Bible is the most trusted one, but I trust the dictionary one. <laughs> <laughs> you go back to the dictionary to check whether you use the right word, the right shade of uh, meaning that you want. And then finally, the column is done. It takes almost a day to chisel the column and fit it into that 900-word format, but I enjoy writing. I enjoy writing about contemporary matters. What we have done in this book is we have changed nothing. We have not changed a word. Some grammar and syntax mistakes been corrected, but they are very few. What we have done is aggregated the columns into sections, and within a section, arranged them in chronological order. So I believe. If you read the six columns on demonetization, you will get an idea of how the narrative changed, how the debate progressed. If you read the five columns on Kashmir, you will find how Kashmir, from a relative peace of mid-2015, descended to virtual, no hope situation at the end of 2016. If you read the 15 columns on economics, you will see how The narrative changed over a period of 12 months. That is the advantage of aggregating the columns into sections. You can open the book anywhere, it really doesn't matter. And you can read any section. Uh, And I'm sure if you're a diary writer, this is a companion to your diary. You go back and read your diary for that period and then read the column, it's a companion to your diary. Uh, I think it's a reasonably solid reference book of what happened in 2016 like the previous book was what happened in 2014. I'm deeply grateful to the panelists who will come and dissect the book I hope. Uh, I will try to be a silent participant as far as possible but I know that they will provoke me and that is the purpose why we are here. (laughs) Thank you very much for this opportunity. I enjoy being in your city. I enjoy meeting you. Thank you for this opportunity to launch this book in Bengal.